0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: Why do these kids need dinner every night? What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. (laughs) When you open the closet. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. Their brains are rotting. They're never going to go to Harvard. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Oh, this looks hard. This looks taxing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this
1: is Amy. And today we're talking about a back-to-one for 2-1. 2-1 back to one, we're calling this. I like it. We're not going back to one January 1st because that's insane this year. This was something that our listener Dana suggested on our Facebook page. She said, help me make 2-1 back to one a thing. I'm not ready for resolutions on January 1st. The tree is still up. The kids are still out of school. I think February 1st is the perfect day to start good habits for the upcoming year. And we're like, gosh, wish we thought of it.
0: To one, back to one. We're like, you're not wrong, as it turns out. We're going to make it a thing this year. Amy, I want you to start. For those who don't know, we've talked about it many times. Give us a back to one definition.
1: Back to one is something that happens on a, a TV or film set. You do a take of a scene. And then after the director yells cut, they check to make sure they have the take. And then they will almost always say... Back to one. You're never going to do a scene once. Back to one, the assistant director yells. And that means all the actors go back to one. If you know somebody takes off a coat, the wardrobe person runs out and gives them the coat back. It could take a long time to set everything back to one, depending on what the scene is. But it's just what you say before you do it again. Everybody has to go back to the place where they start the scene cameras people you know cookies that get passed from hand to hand everything and we've always really liked this term margaret and i because it indicates a resetting without feeling bad about it there's a total expectation of course you're going to do it again you do it 12 times to get the take that you need and so it's just starting over and going back and resetting the things you need to reset without this sort of hair shirt of why can i never manage to read more books or whatever it is.
0: Yes. And it goes along very well with my phrase of the year, which I have expressed, which is I thought it was this can't be fixed. <laughs> it's this can't be fixed. Okay. No, I, they go hand in hand because this can't be fixed and back to one are they're the yin and the yang. They're a perfect marriage because the fact that there is always laundry to do in my house, the fact that the laundry is always undone, it can't be fixed. My friend Mark gifted me with this phrase, this can't be fixed. And the reason I like it is because there are so many things about being a mom that can't be fixed. So there's no point in raging against the dying light of like, why do these kids need dinner every night? I mean, rage if you want, but the fact is there are constants about motherhood that are deeply unpleasant, Amy. Yes, And rather than trying to fix those things, my mother-in-law once came up from our basement where our dreaded, dank laundry room is and said, good news, I finished the laundry, to which I probably too sharply retorted, I found that happiness only exists when you realize you're never finished with the laundry. Like, finishing the laundry is the wrong goal. Going back to one on the laundry is the right goal because, Amy... This can't be fixed.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So fixing isn't the goal, right? Having the right hamper system so that you'll never have too much laundry again is not a good goal. And then being frustrated with yourself that you had this whole plan that you're going to do laundry every Wednesday and then that kind of fell apart. Don't feel bad about that. We're saving ourselves the feel bad part, the feeling that this is a thing that should never have to be hard again. And accepting, embracing the continuity of it and trying the thing that kind of worked. Just because something has stopped working to make laundry easier for you doesn't mean, oh, well, that has to be set on fire. You can just simply reset and try to make Wednesday laundry day
0: again. Exactly. And what I like about Back to One is that it takes the pressure off of doing the thing, but it also takes the pressure off of not doing the thing. And I'm going to give you an example. Mm, Okay. This weekend was extremely cold and windy, and we're in the middle of like pandemic outbreak number 642. And so we're not going anywhere. We're not going to the trampoline park. We've got nowhere to go and nothing to do. We're not having friends over and we're not doing playdates. We're stuck in the house. Yes, And so my kids did about six to seven hours of screens a day for three days straight. And what I would have done before the magic of back to one is think, I'm a bad parent. This is bad parenting. Their brains are rotting. They're never going to go to Harvard. Right. This is I've failed. This is it. I did a pretty good job for 13 years, but I lost it now. And instead, I say to my husband, we're going to have a heavy screen weekend and we'll go back to one on Tuesday. And that's why I really like this idea of February back to one, because in January, you're coming off of the holidays. You're having post-holiday letdown. You're doing all the terrible chores. You're like, taking the tree down. And it's kind of tragical and sad. And it's just a bummer. And so that's no time to also be like, I only eat kale now. It just seems like such a bad idea. (laughs) It occurs to me when you're saying
1: like the screen time back to one, it also really helps with the kids to present it this way. Like I have a back to one I need to do with one of my high school students right now. That high school student, I just saw clear evidence this morning per a Twitter post that I looked at it and it said like that, you know, eight hours ago that this child had posted something about like a sports team, completely innocuous. The point isn't what this child posted. The point was that it was eight hours ago. And I was like, when was eight hours ago? Well, eight hours ago at that point was 1.30 a.m. Oh, my. And so it was like, OK, so I have a kid who stays up to, you know, the, a night owl, the teenager night owl I have the house to myself kind of thing. There's a back to one required like 1.30 is too late on a school night to be. On social media, right? Like you need to be going to bed. But if I can present it to this kid as a, this is something that happens. We all kind of stay up too late. We all kind of find ourselves doing this. There's a gentle reset that has to occur without the... How many times do I have to tell you preamble that might otherwise be added on?
0: That's right, because our goal isn't perfection. Our goal is that we understand about ourselves that we constantly slide into bad habits and behavior that's not the best for us. And it's not that like, oh, well, we failed. Time to give up. It's like, oh, right, this can't be fixed. Like, I'm a night owl. Right. I'm always going to get into this bad habit. But let's go back to one and set the firm bedtime at 11 and get the screens out of the room and whatever it happens to be. It's such a calmer and gentler approach to better living than like starting today. It's kale and cucumbers for me. Like it's never going to be that.
1: So we're saying though, they're doing it sort of to one back to one. I mean, it's the branding, right? This is the tail wagging the dog here. This is so good. We're going to make this work. But is there something to be gained from like, this is the time of year and we're just going to make up a different time of year because it can be any day that you want to think about what you need to reset. Is that worth having that sort of Exercise. Is it worth consciously goal setting what you want to reset?
0: Yes, because I think that it can be hard to come back to one if you don't layer some sort of Amy Wilson marketing on top of it, basically. <laughs> that, like, I, again, this weekend was so rough and cold and not being able to go anywhere. It was cold. Guys, it was like two actual temperature and then the wind chill. Yeah. You couldn't go outside. It was miserable. You could not go outside. Even the hot tub was closed. It was freezing. And I found that I just the only thing I wanted to do was snack. (laughs) And I just was like snacking and watching my phone. And but I do give myself, okay on Tuesday, because it was the holiday, I'm going to go back to one. And I did. I got up this morning. I took a shower. I got dressed. My kids. I have a kid who has very, very long hair. And it's curly, so it forgives a lot. Like you can't really see what it's doing a lot of the time. But I realized as I went to send him to school this morning, the ends of it were like getting into like spiky, knotty strands. Like it's so bad. He hasn't washed it probably since Wednesday. And I was cutting gnarls out of the tips of it this morning because I was embarrassed to send him to school. And... I said, okay, we have to go back. We do showers Sunday and Wednesdays. That's our shower day. My husband calls it, what is it? Wet Wednesday and shiny Sunday. Gotta have a marketing gimmick. I like it. I li- agree. Yeah. But I mean, and again, before I had kids, I feel like I would have listened to this and thought, Who cleans their children twice a week? That's gross. That's the best possible. That's as good as we can do. And I mean, you want
1: this to be something that your kids are just doing, right? Like, it's Wednesday, I got a shower. And maybe sometimes I forget it's Wednesday or whatever. But you're eventually handing these systems over to them. And then hopefully with that also is this similar notion of... Ah, yeah, I know that. I know I stay up too late on weeknights, on school nights. I, I do have to roll that back. Some sort of wanting to do the reset with you.
0: Yeah. And it's such a more optimistic and self-confident point of view, which is, I know this. I know how to do this. I can do it. It can't be fixed, but I know the better path. All right. If I'm on the bad cold weekend path right now, it's fine because I know where the other path is. I've been on it before. I'll go back on it. I'm going to end back up on this bad path again, but that's okay. We don't have to make it so pressurized and so
1: crazy. You know, I'm going to take the back to one metaphor a little bit further. It just occurred to me. Please do. 'Cause I say you do a full take of the scene and then you say back to one. You might not get through the full scene, right? Like take one of the scene might be the guy is supposed to enter and cross to the table, but he doesn't make it in time because you didn't time it right. So cut is called almost immediately, and you're still gonna do back to one. Like you don't have to play out six months of wet Wednesday and shower Sunday or whatever it is, right? It doesn't have to be like, oh well, I'll wait for twenty twenty three at this point. You know, you can almost immediately do a reset, like, oh, I see what you mean. And an example that's just happening, again, you know, same, I have older kids. It's about handing over the responsibility. Those are the things we need resets on right now. It completely fell off my calendar. I just had a couple of days where I wasn't like in the calendar doing at 9 a.m. I do this at 11 a.m. It was more of a free form time. And so I didn't look at my calendar until last night to notice that my kid had to leave school early today to get to the dentist. And my kids are old enough now, like, get to the dentist and I'll see you there. And in his calendar, I, you know, we have shared calendars on the phone and all that kind of thing but we're still learning this. And so it was news to this kid last night that he had to leave school early and he can't leave school early. And rather than me getting stuck, on like, but we have a system. The system is, you know, it's in your calendar. You need to look at like, yes, he does need to look at his phone every time. He's not there yet. So I just said, you know, okay, if I looked at it, I would have reminded you. I also didn't look at the calendar. So I'm going to reschedule the dentist. Like, you know, it's fine. It's fixable. It isn't like burn the system, the system, which I've put in place like a couple weeks ago, like not all the kinks are out of it yet. So we're going to go back to one. Yes. And now let me make it clear that once it's in your calendar, the part that's going to be removed is mom checking the calendar and telling you what's on it.
0: Yeah. Similarly, we have a little wheel on our front door. My kid's school, it sounds complicated, but they are on A, B, C, D, E, F days. Yes. Yes. My kid too. Right. So if there's a holiday every Monday, you don't always miss band. That sometimes is a C day, sometimes is an F Mm -hmm. day, whatever. it's complicated. And we have a little wheel on the front door that says what day it is at school. And after the kids left, I'm calling my husband. What day is it? Did this (laughs) one need their flute? And he's like, oh, I forgot to change the thing. And he's much more organized. In the morning, I'm useless. But... We just said, oh, yeah, we got to go back to using the wheel again. And, you know, you fall out of these patterns and it's fine. Now, I will make one more codicil to this, Amy, which is that everyone on the podcast knows that my reigning life advice is Never make a major life decision in February. My sister gave me that advice about 15 years ago. I do remember that. It's very important advice because what happens is that February is extremely dark and depressing. Bleak. Bleak and dark and cold. And there's, you know, sometimes there's no breaks. And so you do sometimes think to yourself, like, I should open a bar in Puerto Rico. And, like, you get into really strange decision making. I had a during cold weekend, I decided I want to change one of the closets. And literally 20 minutes later, I was like calling an architect and being like, we need to knock our house down and start all over again. (laughs) That's February thinking right there, even though it's only January, like you've got to be careful that like February isn't ruling you. But still fine with our rule, because back to ones are not, I'm going to go back to one and knock my house down. I'm going to go back to one and open a bar in Puerto Rico. These are small tweaks. These are small resets. These are not major life decisions. So it does not run afoul of my most important rule. Thank you for that important, important distinction. All right. Let's talk about some back to ones when we get back.
1: Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers.
0: fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to Lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is
1: L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring
0: this episode. Amy, we're back. We had a lot of response on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hell. Cast And lots of people responding to the original post and saying, I liked Cheryl. She said, February is the devil's big ideas are a trick playground. Let's make new resolutions every Monday. She's saying like, don't make major life decisions in February, right? Like it's like, don't get pulled in. Just make them every Monday. She wants it back to one Monday. Back to one Monday. I'm totally fine with. I like it. I mean, okay, Sure a lot of people giving themselves grace over resolutions this year. I mean, we are in third year of pandemic, like this might not be the year to decide that you're going to get, you know, your bikini body back. I don't know. Did you make any actual resolutions in January? We did not talk about it on the podcast, but did you? I don't do resolutions anymore because of back to one. Uh Like you don't have to wait till January. Exactly. It's... And I just realized that I'm not going to be like, this is the year. I will say... One of the things I committed to, and this is something that a lot of people talked about on Sarah and Monica agree with mine, which is reading books. We've talked about this on many of our resolutions. Yes. And it's a back to one thing too. It's I was on vacation over the holidays and super relaxed. My kids are at an age where like, they play in the pool. I sit by the side. I don't have much to do. We didn't cook a lot. And I read two books and it's gotten me back in the habit of reading books. And I said I was reading only like the lies he never told her and like all the like, you know, super goofy. M- the doll that killed people. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The doll that kills. Exactly. <laughs> and I have worked my way back and I am reading the new Jonathan Franzen novel right now, Amy. I'm about 30% through it on my Kindle. I already said I listened to it and I have it on Audible. So then when I am i can't be in front of the book, I'm listening to it. And that's how I'm making my, my way through it. You know, it's a little dark. It's a little depressing. It's it's not something I would have taken on in month one of the pandemic, but I'm back to one. Sarah says, reading actual books, I always feel better when I have a book to read at night before bed, not a self-help or a parenting book that makes me feel like a failure, a novel where I'm so invested, I don't think about my worries. That's it. Yeah, because I do a lot of reading of you know books from the guests for the podcast and trying to find room
1: for that. That doesn't count. On top, I'll tell you what, something that I discovered. So you're saying about like that reading is sort of a back to one thing. That's why you get frustrated about making goals, right? Because, yeah, my goal every year, my New Year's goal would be to read more books. But that's OK, right? Like, of course, my goals are the same every year. I have the same areas that I you know, struggle with in my life. So, yes, reading more books. And I picked up Piranesi. Have you read this one? I don't even know the words you're saying right now. I got it through Literati Book Club and I started to look at it. I looked at the first page like, oh, this looks hard. This looks taxing. Put it aside. Somebody said that it was like the best book they read during the pandemic. You know, heard that, heard it again. Are you saying the name of the author or the name of the book? The name of the character is Piranesi, and the name of the author is Susanna Clarke. And I recommend it. I love it. I'm really enjoying it. But it's one of those books you got to give it like 25 pages. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, it's a completely new world. It's like entering, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or something. And the first 20 pages of Lord of the Rings, you're like, what? Who? What? Right? I don't understand what's happening. Elven Kingdom. (laughs) Okay, that's all 450 pages of Lord of the Rings for me, just for the record. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe that's a bad comparison. But this is like, you got to get over the hump and then you'll love it. I discovered that like, oh, that's what I've lost that ability to do over the last couple of years is stay with something that I don't immediately get and is of comfort to me because now I'm loving it. Now I'm in this universe that's completely, you know, transforming and nothing like my day to day life. Nothing like here's what you're doing wrong, mom. I get that idea. And that's what I've discovered. Okay, the next thing I need to fix is when I find myself stopping reading, it's because I'm not giving a book 25 pages to make sense.
0: Mm. And I also think it's a great, the other thing I love about Back to One is it's fine to say not now to a lot of things. It's fine to say like not now to a clean home if you have three kids under four at home. And it's fine. It was fine for me to say, not now to reading when I was too stressed to concentrate because I was too busy scrolling pandemic Twitter. And that's what I kind of, that's the button I needed to push and keep examining it. And it's fine. I was a huge reader as a young person. And as a single person, I would read probably mm-hmm. 300 books a year. I mean, I read all the time. I always had a novel going, I had plenty of time to read. And then I beat myself up too much when I had young kids like, oh, I've lost reading. I used to be this person and now I'm this person. And that's the kind of definition that we want to get away from back to one. And the Franz and book's working for me right now, but it's a little, you know, it's Jonathan Friends is not exactly, you know, the last thing he mentioned, you know, it's a little heavier and it's a little depressing. And, you know, I've a couple of times been like, I'm not sure about this. And, you know, it's okay to say like, this is not it for me right now. And that reset is like, yes, like anybody who's listening who has like,
1: you know, 18 month old twins, we're not telling you you should read more. We're not telling you what your reset should be. But I think there's a reset that can occur when your kids are, you know, 12 and 10. You're like, oh, I used to read and I don't anymore. Well, you know, that thing that you think is not available to you, that season has kind of changed and it might be worth a reset and just see. Check in. Love it.
0: Similar journaling. I'm not a journal. Are you a journaler? Uh-huh. Have been. Have been. I have had journaling seasons, yes. But Alexandra says, Daily journaling. Willow says, Big believer in miracle morning. I wake up and work through some journaling, meditation, exercise, affirmations, and visualizations. Becca says, Daily journaling. I'm not a journaler, but we recently had Rachel Nielsen on and she has the Flex of Gold journal, which we both highly recommend. Yes, that's beautiful. And it's one sentence. It's a sentence a day that just helps you if you're want to get back to journaling. It's a great way to sort of like take a minute of the day to write down a good moment, something you're grateful for. Listen to her interview, our fresh take because she talks a lot about the meaning of it and the usefulness of it, but it's just a reset, too, on kind of optimism and positivity where you're looking. I always say my kids get notes from, from school that says, I caught you being good. And it's like the teacher like is looking out for like, you shared your pencil with your friend, whatever it happens to be. It changes your mindset, so you're looking for positivity versus like the negative confirmation bias that you talk about, like, oh, just another sign that everyone's after me, you know, and it flips that for you. And that's the perfect example, because we actually talked about that. I mean, the book, The
1: Flex of Gold Journal, it has entries for one sentence on a day of the year, you know, and I honestly, uh, yeah, I was sort of thinking in my head like, oh, I should have done that flex of gold journal, but oh, well, I missed January 1st. So now see you next year. And she said in that interview, that's not true at all. You can start any day of the year. It doesn't matter when you start. It just matters that you try to make it a practice. And if you skip a week, then you skip a week. It's not in charge of you. It's something you want to
0: move toward and make a habit. It's back to one, Amy. That's what it is. It's back to one. So back to one. Jenna says, and I like this because I struggle with this, incorporating veggies. Incorporating veggies into one meal a day, just one, rather than an entire diet overhaul that doesn't last and feels overwhelming. This is a great example of the difference between a resolution and a back to one. Because a resolution is, I'm going to eat healthy. And then when I'm like this weekend in the cold, just numbing my feelings by eating 8 billion Ritz air crisps, which are my red light food, like I just might as well just pour the whole bag in my mouth because they're all, (laughs) I'm eating them all. Too late now. It's like, what if I just add a vegetable, make sure I have a vegetable once a day? Like maybe that's my starting place. And for my kids, I have a kid who is very fruit and vegetable resistant. And we've moved to apple juice in the morning counts as a fruit. Like, start with small things that are achievable, because we want to keep ourselves and everybody out of the mindset of like, yet another failure for lame old me. That's what you don't want to be at. There's this book by John Acuff called Finish, and it's for creative people.
1: But that great book Fantastic book. And that's sort of the number one piece of advice I got from if you're trying to finish the book, the play, the thing, the painting, whatever it is you're working on, make the goal, like bring the win much closer to you set an absurdly small goal. For the next week, I'm just going to open the doc that has my screenplay in it, and I'm going to look at it every day for a week. That that's how you get it done. And so we're saying the same thing here, right? Bring it closer. Apple juices, and not for Monday. And then tomorrow we we'll try it again.
0: And it'll probably trick you into like I oh I mean for me that's exercise. Like okay if I get on the treadmill or the bike, I'm probably going to ride. Mm-hmm. But getting on the bike is the problem. Like I rarely quit halfway through. Very rarely. But it's The win is like just engaging with it enough to get involved and then it probably will take you somewhere. But like, don't even set a secondary motivation. Just get something in front of you. And it reminds me also of the greatest advice I ever got from a writing mentor. And now I've heard it in many different ways, but I never heard it before. He said it to me is perfect is the enemy of done. Like, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to get stuff done because it's not going to be able to be done perfectly. And. One example of that for me is, like Kelly, the impossible task of getting all the laundry put away. (laughs) And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I struggle with this is perfect is the enemy of done. I want it folded correctly and then I want my linen closet to be nicer and not have a broken shelf. And I want it to be labeled and I want everything getting it away is better than like leaving it on the couch for two weeks because the drawers upstairs aren't organized yet. Because I have to build a new closet. Yeah, yeah. And this is something I have in the new, I did really start this in January. And we talked about this on small things like getting rid of the clutter. I just, I'm constantly aware of how stressful clutter is to me, especially when we're all at home. Because five people always in a house that's also dirty is too much for me mentally. And so I did take the first two weekends in January and really say, like, it's all hands on deck. Like, clean your room, organize the drawers, and vacuum the room, like, back to one mm-hmm. on the rooms. Get it all the way clean. Because I do think sometimes you're like, the flip side of perfect is the enemy of done is like if you're just constantly like kind of putting a little bit more mess on top of the old mess, I find that very stressful. <laughs> my problem with all of that is that I think
1: sometimes I, I'm i thinking of one mess in my house right now, which is our coat closet it has like, you know, bins of mittens and hats. And of course, every mitten doesn't have one to match it. It's just a, a mess. And I every time I, you know, hang up my coat, I look at that mess and like, I have to fix this. But I think I need like a long weekend to to address the mittens and hats. Like someday I'm going to pull all that out. Like it's like I'm changing apartments or something. It'll take me 20 minutes at the most, 20 minutes. Like I actually make it look good and have a back to one that in six months will have to be done again. It's not one and done. But sometimes I think I put this stuff off that would actually make my life... Happier. Like I'd be a little bit happier tomorrow if I open the closet and the gloves and mittens weren't just a complete like when you open the closet,
0: because I think it's an enormous task and it's not. Yeah. My husband and I talk about that all the time. We had something we had to do years and years and years ago, an office that needed to be cleaned out. And it just felt so Herculean as a task. Like, this is actually not possible to accomplish. And then his apartment, when we got married, I mean, he was a pack rat. He had, like, Lego sets from childhood. I mean, it was wild. And... What it took was, and it wasn't 20 minutes, it was probably 12 hours of like hard work to get it done. But the feeling of having done it was incredible. But I think you can always put those as not nows too. You know, my mudroom right now is a mess. And I do find in the winter in New York, it's just like perfectly clean atom bomb, perfectly clean atom bomb. Like there's no like, oh, there's two socks out of there's two mittens out of the way. You know, it's just... I do find that is sometimes too taxing to constantly clean. So sometimes I'm like, here's bin of chaos. Y'all figure it out because you made the mess. Right. And I'm not always going to be perfect there. The
1: problem is when the bin gets full, like I'm thinking of like a dog's dump bin, right? That has the snacks and the toys and the snacks she didn't like and the toys she didn't like and the other leash. And then all of a sudden that gets full. And then there starts to be stuff put like next to the bin or underneath the bin, right? When the thing to hold the things is itself so full that the things start to go other places. And it's time for a back to one. Amy, I'm also going to give you a strong, this can't be fixed on some of that stuff. It can't be fixed, but it also won't take 90 minutes to clean out the dog bin,
0: right? If you're good at throwing stuff out, which I am, I can be ruthless. Which you are. All right, we'll be back with even more back to ones. Start your Hero
1: Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co
0: and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O.co and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Are you overwhelmed by the
2: things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
0: And now, some fun activities to try during your 27th quarantine. From the What Fresh Hell podcast Baking. Try
1: out a new recipe. Sure, you've already made muffins, sourdough, snickerdoodles, and layer cakes, but there must be something you haven't made yet. How about waffles? You probably haven't made those yet. Get outside. If you keep moving in minus 15 degree weather, you can barely feel the wind trying to actually peel the skin off your face. Get out there, moms. Get a pet. You've already gotten two dogs and a mini horse, and they're pooping everywhere and your life is in shambles? Well, maybe try adding an iguana. Shake things up a little. Learn a new language. The benefits of learning a new language include expanding your horizons, using a new part of your brain, and being able to curse out family members in secret. Start the mornings with a song. The song is We Don't Talk About Bruno. You will never get this song out of your head.
0: You're already doing it. You might as well pretend it's fun. This has been some fun activities to try during your 27th quarantine. From the What Fresh Health Podcast.
1: So I think this is an interesting take on the back to one Missy, our friend who hosts mom and dot, dot, dot pod. She says, I'm sitting here thinking my problem may be that I don't have a back to one. I have things I know make my day or life better, but I don't have a go to. I currently feel so out of control that I don't know which reset button to push.
0: I would really put in Missy's path to take a half an hour and sit down and just make a list of five things and decide which of those five things is most important. Like which of the things that feel out of control, you mean? Yeah. Like for me, I'm like laundry feels out of control, but to me it can't be fixed. Like I'm not going to try to invent another laundry system. I think laundry is just always a little bit out of control. And so, but for some people, I know for some people it's like, okay, if I get a different laundry bin for each kid and they do their own laundry and only their laundry's in at one time, fine. If you can find a system. But for me, coming back to one in the new year, it was writing down the meals for the, I don't even want to call it meal planning because you know, I hate meal planning, but (laughs) writing down what's for dinner. And again, it's only February and I have stopped doing it. You know, I mean, I've lost it, but that's the thing that I need to keep going back to one end. And it's not like I'm going to have quinoa and salmon under glass on Monday. It's spaghetti and meat sauce on Monday. It's tacos on Tuesday, whatever it is, just I think that if you spend time and think about what is most frustrating to you and then move those solutions, like you said, very close to you, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like the car will never be messy again because we're never going to eat it in again. But is it okay Every time we get out of the car, everybody grab three things, maybe whatever it is, take a look and then define the small back to once because it is a process I was recently, I recently did an Ask Margaret about cleaning the bathroom, you know, and keeping the bathroom clean when you have boys who are bathroom destroyers. And the thing is, the bathroom is always going to return to grossness, but like, you got to start somewhere. And that's a thing that I identified as like, oh, this is really grossing me out to walk upstairs and like smell the bathroom as I'm walking in is gross. I want to fix that thing that might go on my list of five and realize that those five things are not going to make your life perfection. But, Try to identify the four or five things that feel really out of control. And then what's the one you can start with?
1: I've discovered that like mopping the bathroom floor, I mean, a small bathroom, like my kid's bathroom is a small bathroom. We live in an apartment that like, you know, grabbing the bucket and the mop and just kind of, you know, slop mopping the floor takes, I mean, including finding the bucket, filling it, putting some soap in that takes less than five minutes to clean that stuff up in my bathroom or or my kid's bathroom. And again, it's something that's like, ugh. Cleaning day. Who has time for that? Well, I have time to like get down on my hands and knees and sweep all my hair into a pile and put it in in the wastebasket. It takes less than 30 seconds. I don't know. Somehow I'm like
0: these insurmountable tasks that run away from me that you can just how about you just do it right now? Let me hit you with crystals back to one because it's apropos. She says clean the kitchen, run the dishwasher, and prep coffee for tomorrow at the end of every day. It takes 10 minutes at night. Even though I'm tired, I know my future self will thank me. These are the small adjustments. And again, my husband is basically in charge of the sink because I just of all the tasks. Dishes are just, I just find them so absolutely gross. And the minute there's old eggs like floating in the water, I'm just like, we have to burn the house down. I can't face it, you know? And this morning again, because of our horrible weekend, we just had stopped doing dishes and we had some family over and it was a mess. And we just reset the, ki- I said, let's clean until the kitchen is clean. Right. Until that's- And we scrubbed out and it's like, okay, <sighs> I can breathe again. Like there's no trace of egg from four days ago. That is like frightening me every time I cross the threshold of the kitchen. Yes. And I think that this is a part of the equation that we should address. It's like, you always say like, take the pain, like that little bit of pain, which is 30 minutes of really cleaning the kitchen means every hour of the day today when I walk into the kitchen, I don't have the horrible feeling that there's eggs chasing me. You're like, "Ah," and there's like twinkles. We can put
1: them in and post little twinkles on the countertop because it's so clean.
0: Yeah. And another thing I sometimes do is I literally write down like rooms in the house and I'll say this week is my bedrooms week and it gets really clean. And then next week is my kids week. You know, they say that they finish painting the Golden Gate Bridge and the next day they start painting it like it takes 365 days to paint the Golden Gate Bridge. Hmm. And that's how I think about my house. Like if this week is my room and next week is the kitchen and next week is the playroom and next week, it's time to start again. But I realize, again, it can't be fixed. It's in the house is clean house is not achievable.
1: I'm realizing that we're saying that change is iterative. Mm. Define iterative, please, Fancy. Like a little bit at a time. Like we're going to do this back to one around, you know, the laundry, you know, 20 times, not once. And each time we do, we're going to be like, oh, that part didn't work so well. So maybe I will try Like, what if I put the bag for the delicates in the bathroom? Or You know, whatever. Like you change something little each time. When you go, let's go back to the real back to one. When you're resetting, it's because something went wrong or something wasn't quite right. And sometimes it's like... A boom was in the shot. And sometimes it was that the actor didn't quite, you know, hit the thing that they needed to emotionally. There's something little that has to be fixed every time. And once you fix that little thing, then something else little might go wrong. But it's a little different every time. It isn't like, let's go back to one. Let's do that again. Like when you're on a movie set and they're doing the first take of a scene, you just do it. You just do it. So you see what goes wrong. Right, right. Like this will be a mess, but let's just see what happens. Okay, we missed the entrance in this and we totally mistimed time that and she can't say the line that way. And then they're okay, back to one and they go back to one and then they talk about it. It's not that you're trying to do it wrong again, but you're definitely not trying to do it perfect. You're just trying to fix the things you noticed
0: last time and then you fix different things. I'm watching uh, season two of cheer. This is the full outs. They go full out on the routine and then it's like, oh, this person fell. All right. We go full out again. Okay. That person fell again. Okay. Right. So that pyramid isn't strong enough. We need to get a stronger person at the bottom, whatever it is. It's like you're watching it to fix it. And I think the most important part about this is watching your story and giving yourself some agency in It can't all be fixed. It's never going to be perfect, but like, it's not just this house is always a mess because people are working against me and I'm the only one who cares. And it keeps you out of that story. And it's like, okay, how can we make this work a little bit better? And then you can also bring in our plan B that Stacey Haynes talked about on Fresh Take, which is, all right, people, how can we make this a little bit better? How can we make laundry a little bit easier? It's called uh, collaborative and proactive solutions, the sort of problem solving. And it can get
1: confusing because plan B sounds like plan A didn't work. It failed, yeah. But plan A is just like, Everybody better start doing their laundry right now. That's plan A is yelling. Plan C is also fine. It's, I guess I have a messy house. I have little kids and I'll revisit this in a year. And plan B is proactive, collaborative solutions. Hey guys, I've noticed that there's a lot of dirty clothes on the floors of the room instead of the hamsters. What's up with that? And let them say, well... It's because I'm rushing so that I can, you know, start playing Fortnite right at eight o'clock. Oh, okay. So let's roll your shower back 15 minutes so you have time to clean up your room before Fortnite.
0: Find the fixes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Christy says... About her back to one, which I really liked. My communication with my neuroatypical child. I can often get caught in cycles of frustration and be short on patience, which I know is totally normal. I try not to beat myself up, but I find when I reset and stay curious, calm, and come from a place of love, we both have better days and outcomes. This is such a good example of a back to one. It is not the two opposing choices of I'm a good parent or a bad parent. I'm doing great with my child who struggles or I'm failing my child who struggles. It really is just I know the path that works the best is when I'm calm And I come from a place of love. But I can't always do that when I'm in the middle of a pandemic and I'm hungry and I'm tired and the car just broke down and the battery died. Like on those days, I probably yell. But I know the place that I can go back to. And we've started as a result of the podcast family meeting on Sundays. And it's brief and the kids don't really love it. but. I'll often say, I'm finding that I have to ask you six times to get off of screens, and it's really frustrating, and then I'm yelling, and then you're annoyed that I'm yelling. What are we going to do to fix that? Mm -hmm. How can we, well, I guess we could really try to listen for the first time. It just gives the opportunity to be having conversations about, like, how can we reset this dynamic that isn't going well? And I will say, if you had presented this to me in my early parenting, I would have thought, Tweet, tweet, which is Amy's grandma's expression for (laughs) when things are just a little too cute. Yeah, a little child coddly. A little ridiculous. Like, okay, let's talk to our kids and learn why they're having a hard time. But I hate to say it works, friends. It really does help to sit down once a week and say, next week, what can we do better? We can't do everything better. We're not going to be like a perfect family. But what's one thing we struggle with this week that we can work a little harder on and reset? And it also gives your kids agency and makes them feel like they're part of the solution.
1: When you were talking about the listener saying like, when she remains calm and curious, and for me, curious is that half of this I really want to like pinpoint because, yeah, you're not saying, hey, guys, what do you think we should do about this? It's not play acting. Right. If you're like any minute now, I'm going to bring out the chore chart that I'm hiding under the table, you know? <laughs> What do you want to do? I have some ideas. How about this? Right. I mean, we've all done that. I've done that. But this true plan B problem solving is what do you think? And then being really curious about what their answers are, because you might have a good solution in there. And the other thing to be curious about is to use your cheer analogy, because I'm obsessed with cheer season two on Netflix. It's amazing. Monica, who is this amazing cheerleading coach, when they do the first full out, which is the first time they're going to do everything with all the flips and all the stuff that's slightly dangerous and complicated, she's not expecting perfection. She's watching it with genuine curiosity. Where are the weak spots? Where are the things I haven't seen? And she has no idea what's not quite going to work until she sees it full out. And then they go back to one. And that curiosity about what's finding the part of it that's not quite right, that we can shift the dial on, you know, a little bit, is probably much better for us than, okay, I'm going to do it again. It's January 1st. And this year, I'm going to read 300 books.
0: Right. And it keeps us in a really different story. And that story is, we're all in this together. We're trying something that's really hard together. And so, of course it's not going to go well all the time. But are there things we can tweak to make it go better versus on January 1, I'm going to be a completely different person. You know, the meme, there's a meme that's like, I wish I was the person I thought I was when I bought all these vegetables on Tuesday. Like, right. Stop like deciding that tomorrow there's a door through which a completely different you exists. Like at my old age, I'm going to tell you there's no door and there's no other person. There's no thin person. There's no organized person. There's no person who likes doing the laundry, but there are tweaks that you can make that make things less painful. Solved it. Solved it. <laughs> Done forever. We're going back to one on two one, people. Let's do it together. And if you need some support in your back to one journey, come join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hell We are all talking it out over there and come join the conversation. We love that community. Thanks as always for listening, guys, and for spreading
1: the word about the show.
0: Happy back to one. Talk to you next time.
3: So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
1: Margaret, it's an exciting news day.
0: An exciting news day indeed,
1: Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd.
0: And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back